Well, today I'm going to talk about power because we're in a series called Awaken Nashville. That's more than a sermon series. It's a movement which now includes over 600 churches that have said, hey, we're going to pray and we're just going to ask God to awaken us. And each week we look at a different aspect of awakening. And today we're going to ask God to awaken us to your power. So I've had some time to think about this word power and on reflection, you know, I've preached um, several messages over 25 years over God's power. And so it gave me a chance to really think about a definition. And here's something that I've been uh, working on the last couple of weeks. Power is focused energy. This is a kind of a working definition. If you think about that as in our human bodies, when we, when we, use our bodies in a way to project power, that certain movement focuses energy. It could be focused in our leg power if we're trying to lift weights. It could be focused in a punch if we're swinging our arms. But it's focused energy at a point. Another example that I thought about was a laser beam. And a laser, we're so familiar with lasers. I mean, ever since Luke Skywalker had that cool lightsaber. Man, that was awesome. That came out in 77. I don't remember when it came out, but as a little kid, you know, I just love playing with a lightsaber and I hope in heaven I have a lightsaber. That would just be really cool. I don't, I don't want to hurt people with it. It'll be a heavenly lifesaber to, I don't know, there's no violence in heaven. So, but it's just 60, it's a machine. Um, and it's actually, the word laser comes from an acronym and I, I wouldn't remember the acronym, but I have it on the media for us. Light amplification by stimulated emission of radiation. That's pretty cool. That is the meaning of a laser machine that creates a laser beam. In essence, it's taking um, this very defined point of energy and it's taking this point and it's making it precise and it's causing connection at a point to bring about uh, a result and, and really many positive results. Let's think about in the medical field, probably the majority of us here in this room have at some point benefited from laser technology, this idea of, of a focused energy um, in things like eye surgery on the cornea, um, repair of a detached retina, the removal of kidney stones, the removal of tumors, this idea that this precise laser protects the rest of the tissue but goes to the unwanted tissue. And there's all types of potential that we're still learning even into the future with cleaner energy and what that could be, what that could be as we become less dependent on fossil fuels and that stuff will run out at some point in the future. We don't know when. So all of this tells us that when there is a defined point of power, that some good can happen. So immediately when we hear the word power, we begin to think of it kind of like disruptive, like, like power is intimidating and and power messes things up. And, and even in, in spiritual teaching, when we're doing other teaching on humility, we'll, we'll talk about power in a negative way. And, and I understand that that's some of our um, kind of connotation, that some of our feelings we get when we hear the word power, and it's appropriate at times. But power can also be a place of real peace. Like, think about Niagara Falls. Who in here has been to Niagara Falls? Let me see your hands. Okay, a lot of you guys. You guys are just kind of hoity-toity travelers going to Niagara Falls for the weekend. Uh, you know, I've never been to Niagara Falls, but I've seen pictures. And, and I saw um, the, the wedding episode at the end of the office. That was pretty cool. 
when, uh, when Dan, I forget the name of the people now, but when they get married at Niagara Falls. Now, I haven't had this exotic trip to upstate New York or to Toronto, but, you know, I go and travel to places like Kentucky because that's where grandma lives. And so that's where we go on vacation in Kentucky. Now, this is some, a place called uh, Cumberland Falls. It's only about two hours from here. And I have been there and it is beautiful. Uh, you ought to go sometime. Uh, it's not easy to get to, but it's worth getting there. And it's called the Little Niagara and it is beautiful, but it is powerful. And like Niagara Falls, all of the water is directed to a certain point, And that water cuts rock and that water is, is a powerful force. But when you're there looking at the vista, experiencing even the atmosphere of the air around the waterfall, it, it's peaceful. It, it's a place of beauty. It's a place of peace. And one of the things I want you to see through this passage today, as we look at the place of power, power is connected to peace in the spiritual realm. They're not, they're not fighting against each other. They're working in concert with one another. In fact, the place of power is a place of peace. And where there is a lack of peace, there'll be a lack of power. But if you think about this, where there is peace, where there is peace, we have a chance to let the work of God be clearly defined. When, when, listen, when you're in strife, when you're in disagreement with your family, when you're in financial distress, when you're dealing with unemployment, these are all things we've all dealt with, so let's just be real about it. But, but it's, it's sometimes hard, hard to have a spiritual focus. But when you're at a place of peace, then if directed correctly, it's an opportunity for God's power to manifest. And so I, I just say with our theme this week, awaken the power among us. Like God, we want you to focus on us. Focus energy like a laser beam. Like God saying, hey, I see these people, this people called CIL um, or I see this small group meeting at Chet and Danielle's house, or I see this group of teenagers are upstairs, like up the stairs, down the hall, there's a group of third through fifth graders, and God says, I see them, and, and my peace is there, and these are people who want me, and so I'm going to bring a precision, a definition of my power to them. This is an opportunity the Lord has for us. So the overall theme is this. Jesus is trying to tell the 72, and he tells us today, that there are places that you go where the peace is there. And people are receptive to my work. And those are the places of power. But if you go to a group of people, or you go to a city, or you go to a home, and there's not peace there, then you can move on. Now, there's a lot to think about in this. But as carriers of the Holy Spirit, as people guided by Scripture, I want you to see the possibilities before you that, that God is going to have you encounter groups of people or individuals who are receptive to the gospel, who are ready for his work, who are ready for God's work. Now, right now, we, we, we start thinking like evangelism only, like getting people saved. That's good. That's important. That's something we should do. But I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm talking more than evangelism. Let, let's talk about just a conversation about spiritual things. That, that when you go to a coffee meeting and, and you offer the things of the Lord, there is either a peace there that the person you're talking to, whether they're a Christian 
or whether they're not yet a Christian, there's this idea of like, yeah, let's go there. Let's go, let's, let's go to a spiritual dynamic. Or there is like a wall that says, no, no peace here. No peace here. Let, let, let's talk about the weather. <laughs> let, let, let's talk about something that doesn't make me think about my soul. Doesn't make me think about spiritual things. So, so this is this idea that both individuals and cities and groups of people take either a position for God or against God. And I, I want to be, I want us as a people to be for God. I want me as an individual to be for God because I've been both. I've been both and I've got to watch my heart on this. Here's my first point today. I've already made it, but write it down. Power flows in the place of peace. We discussed this. Power flows in the place of peace. Let's go to verse five of Luke 10. It's a scripture that Kristen read, but we're gonna go deeper into it. It says this, whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to this household. If a person of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. Now, in Jewish culture, first century Jewish culture, that was a common phrase to say, hey, peace be with you. But it had a little more meaning or depth than our greetings. Our greetings like, hey, what's up, man? Or what's going on? Or how are you? Even though we're not really asking how they are, we're just saying I'm the type of person who... I want you to think I care for you. So how are you? <laughs> that, that deal. Well, th- this is a situation where when people in the first century Jewish culture say shalom upon you, peace upon you, there's a whole different amount of depth that means something. And so what does the word peace mean? Peace doesn't just mean, hey, I, I feel calm right now. That's what we think peace is. We can calm ourselves down for a few minutes, but then we we may not be in peace. That's not necessarily peace. We call it peace. That's, that's a lot of times mood management. Peace is from the Hebrew word shalom. It's an important word for you to know. It's an important word that will slip into your vocabulary or at least your awareness of vocabulary. You may not say the word shalom, but you're looking for shalom. Uh, it's, it's why one of our ministry partners, the shalom zone, um, represents the embodiment of this word, and, and you've already been reading. This is like a real textbook definition, but even though it's kind of s- sterile and not dynamic, it, it's still helpful. Actually, it's very helpful because of its precision. Shalom is a state of wholeness. Now, I like that word there because we're a people that are broken, and, and we are a society that is fragmented. So the idea of wholeness means we're complete and and the people we are doing community with are complete. So a state of wholeness, well-being, and security, embracing both the physical and spiritual dimensions and relating not only to the individual, but also to the entire communities and relationships among persons. So when you enter an environment, and the, the case that we're reading the scripture today, this is the 72 sent by Jesus into homes, but for you, this means areas where you work, areas where you do business. This means the school, the classroom, small groups that you enter, 242s that you visit. You may not say this physically. In fact, it would be kind of weird to walk into McDonald's and say, peace be upon you and see if the peace rests upon us. That, that might feel awkward and kind of would be awkward. But in your heart, as discerners of the Holy Spirit, you're saying, is the shalom of God here? Like, is this a good place for me, the community? Is this a place of wholeness? Is this a place bringing about the good of God? Is this a place bringing about the kingdom of God? And the Lord's saying that if the shalom is there, 
If the peace is there, if the peace comes back on you, stay there. I'm there. This goes back to the overall theme that Jesus has plans and he's preparing the soil of people's hearts, both individual and as communities. There's an important uh, definition in here. If you you look back at verse six, it talks about a person of peace, a person of peace. This is not just a kind of a metaphorical term, but put verse six back up there if you don't mind. A, A person of peace is a specific person that's receptive to the gospel. And in missions work, in missions work, a lot of times that's a tribal leader. Like when people are going to places, let's say in South America or Africa, and and they're going to a group of people who don't know Jesus, they're looking for a person of peace. A lot of times if that's like a tribal leader, that, that one person may open the door to the whole community. I saw this when I worked in youth ministry for a lot of years. We saw that in certain schools that We had men or women, or in this case, teenage boys or teenage girls who were people of peace. They were open to the gospel. They were open to the kingdom of God. 20 years ago, uh, when we were ministering in Madison, there were were some some kids up in Gallatin who would bring their friends all the way from Gallatin. Back then, it seemed like a long ways away. It's not so long now, but would bring their friends all the way from the older part of Gallatin all the way down to Madison because they, they were just... They were just connecting with the message there, and that opened the door to dozens and dozens of of kids from Gallatin High School. That's a practical example of what happens in our lives, that when you find a person of peace, Jesus has prepared them, and you go, and the shalom of God is there, and they're like, there's chemistry, there's a sense of identity, there's a sense that God has shown up in this relationship, this partnership, and God is here in this place. Here's my second observation from Scripture today. As we're looking at God and asking him to awaken power within us. Lord, power is sustained by provision. Power is sustained by provision. Another way to phrase this, you may have heard this phrase before because it just kind of rolls off the tongue. Where God guides, God provides. This idea that if God's called you to do something, he's going to provide what you need when you engage in that ministry. And we see this example clearly in scripture. Look at verse seven. He says this, Jesus tells his followers, which now he tells us, remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they offer for the worker is worthy of his wages. Don't move from house to house. When you enter any town and they welcome you, eat the things set before you. This idea of focused on mission, God's power shows up through his provision. Now, there's been times in my life when I've wanted to do something and I felt like, God, I need your power for this endeavor or for this call or for this interest, and there was no provision there. I remember when I got accepted to Dallas Theological Seminary and I was like, oh, this is awesome. I'm gonna get to go to DTS and Abby was a a baby. She was two years old and I was living in Dallas at the time and always wanted to go to DTS, but it just, it wasn't. Time. It wasn't time. There wasn't provision there. It wasn't time for me as a minister, as a husband, as a father. It wasn't time for me financially. And so just because I wanted to do it didn't mean it was time for me to do it. And the Lord restored that later on. That's a whole other story. 
I didn't tell it at 9 a.m., so there, there's extra credit for you guys. Um, This this idea is that when he leads you somewhere, he's going to provide. Sometimes he provides at what we call the midnight hour, like at the last minute, God provides something. And that's so cool when, when the breakthrough comes just in time. I love it when that happens. That's that's a sign that that God is in it. But most of the time, God's provision is proactive. Like his provision is before the opportunity. His provision is preparing you for the opportunity. And, And so we don't want to live at the midnight hour. We want to see provision at the beginning of the day most of the time. And then some of the time, God comes through at the very end. Like, Guys, let's not be the type of people who are always last minute people with God. You know, let's let's be those who are in step with the spirit so we're working proactively and we're working ahead of time. So God's gonna provide. So here in this passage, he's saying, hey, whatever house you're at is good enough for you. He told his disciples, don't try to upgrade. Don't go to the village and say, hey, I heard the house on the other side of the village has better food. Let's go there. I heard that. Two doors down, it's more comfortable there. He's saying, no, just settle with what you have. When we went to, we go to Costa Rica every year, uh, and I've only been one time, but I went one time with my daughter. At the time, she was 18, so maybe two years ago, two and a half years ago. And my daughter, Abby, is an English, excuse me, yeah, she's an English speaker, yeah, but she's a Spanish speaker also. And so she was in one of the host homes with Jenna, another one of our college-age students, they were by themselves, and part of the experience in Costa Rica is that you eat with the family, and whatever they give you, just eat. And so the girls were doing this, and it was a kind of a stew, and some of the meat was a little tough. And so Abby, who spoke Spanish, asked, well, what kind of meat is this? And so they said, well, it's pork or pig. So she's like, okay, well, that's fine. She's like, but what part of the pig? And she, they responded in Spanish, the tongue. That was a special delicacy, or I don't know if it's delicacy, but it's what was on the menu that night. And so those girls, they just, uh, you know, for the sake of Christ, they just had to eat what was before them. Now, in case you're, you're thinking about going to Costa Rica in the future, the leaders talked to the host families and said, let's not do that to the Americans here. Um, but uh, this is an example, though. Uh, the, the, the Jewish people were really tied into Levitical law that gave great restrictions on food. And it would do us good to, to think about those restrictions, but we're not obligated to those restrictions. We're, we're free. We're free to eat whatever is before us. And so Jesus is saying, let's get on mission. Don't worry about where you're going to stay. Don't worry about upgrading to better accommodations. Don't, don't worry about being a foodie and saying, I'm going on this mission trip, but really I just want to try out all the food in the Caribbean. I want to try out all the food in the Middle East. And I've been on mission trips like that where it's like, come on, people, we're not here to be culinary experts. We're here to be on mission. And this applies to us in everyday life because we get really caught up in creature comforts and we get caught up in in lodging and food and all types of entertainment and stuff like that. And Jesus wants to bless us in those areas as long as we don't worship those areas, as long as we put those in submission to him. And so he says here, he says, he says, don't keep going from house to house. The the, the essence of that at the end of verse seven, he says, don't move from house to house. In other words, they were doing that. They were going from house to house. They were going and trying to get better positions. He said, no, settle in there because I'm going to provide for you. And in the place of provision is a place of power. And so a lot of times we think that we, think that we need the next 
big thing to be the next big thing. And God's saying, I'm gonna provide what you need when you need it, and that is going to be your place of power. When I was a little kid, um, one of the things I loved to do was to ride my bike to Kroger in the early afternoon when, when I thought samples would be given out. Come on, you probably did it too. That was just cool, man. It's just like, Lord, what did you, speaking of provision, God, what did you provide today? And you walk the aisles of Kroger and you're looking for the samples. And nowadays, it's a little more sophisticated at Sam's because they give samples there. And now I look at the samples and I'm like, let me taste this bourbon salmon. What aisle is that? Let me consider this purchase today. But I'm really doing the same thing I did as a kid, you know, just getting the samples. So down, down, down the street here, there's a, uh, a Cajun restaurant that, that I won't name because I don't want to endorse any restaurant or any place of commerce here in Hendersonville through the pulpit, but it is the only Cajun restaurant we have in town, so you can probably guess which one it is. And I went there the first time, and it was, it was really cool. They, they said, have you been here before? I said, no, I haven't been here before. Let us bring you a sampler. So they bring these plates with these little plastic cups. Dude, it was awesome, man. I mean, it's like jambalaya, etouffee, you know, seafood gumbo, all kinds of different gumbos. And so you, you get to taste a little bit of it. I mean, you can see that spoon there. It's just not much, but it's enough to know what's in the kitchen. It's enough to know like a little taste of this lets you know what all is available. In fact, you know how to make choices in the future because you've had a taste. So what I did is I took Beth with me the second time. I was like, have you been here before? Like, she hasn't been here before. Bring the samplers. Beth was like, I don't want the samplers. Yes, you do. You want the samplers. I want it, the two or one. I'm going to sample for you. Then I brought Abby and then Luke, then Lincoln, then business lunches. And pretty much it caught on after that. So now it's like I've been there plenty of times. It's like, bring the samples anyway. And it's great, though, you, you get a taste of something that there's more availability for. Here's my last point today, and I'll get back to the, the Cajun samples here in a second. Power demonstrates the kingdom of God. So power is a foretaste of the kingdom of God. Power is a first fruits of the kingdom of God. Power is um, this idea back to the laser of, of a defined force coming to a distinct point. And, it, and it's causing impact in a small area because it's breaking to that area and it's, it's focused in on that area. So this is what verse nine says. Jesus sent out the 72. He said, don't worry about what you're gonna eat. Don't, don't worry about where you're gonna stay. But verse nine, heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. Oh, there's a lot in this statement here. Heal the sick who are there. Where are the sick? They're the sick are in, he's talking about the sick who are in the place of shalom, the place of receptivity, the, the place of belief, the place where they're ready. You see, we believe here in the healing power of God. I mean, we pray it, we declare it, we teach it, we speak it. But if I'm being honest with you, if I could control God and make God heal people, then if I was any kind of loving person, I wouldn't be preaching right now. I'd be down at Vanderbilt Children's Hospital. And I would also, there's people, part of our church family who want to be at church today, but, but they can't because their immune system is down. Um, they can't be around other people. 
Um, there, there's people who physically can't get here. And if I could heal them, and even if I can make God heal them, I would be with them now, not just preaching a sermon. So, so let's unfold this. Jesus said, heal the sick who are there. It's the people in the place of shalom, the people the place of receptivity, the people who are ready to hear, hear the gospel and say the kingdom of God has come near. And this is where we'll talk just these last couple of minutes about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God being near. There's a concept that I've shared with you before and I bring it up on a regular basis because it's such an important theological concept and it's not something on the margins. It's, it's accepted by charismatics, evangelicals, liturgical, across all three streams. And it's a concept of the already not yet kingdom of God. This idea that Jesus, when he came, he brought in the kingdom, and the kingdom is already here once Jesus came, but it's not yet fully here. Jesus brings his kingdom in stages. Bring, Jesus brings his kingdom out of sovereignty. And so it is that we are people of faith. We are people of expectation. And we ask, and we believe, and we receive, and we expect, and we want to see signs and wonders and God do great things, but it's still up to him whether those things happen or not. And so we, we submit to his sovereign will. And so because of this, there are those times when the kingdom of God breaks into the realm of earth. You see, the veil between earth and heaven is thinner than we think. And like a laser beam, power is this defined attention. Jesus comes and through his power says, I'm going to bring a word. I'm going to bring a word to Michael. So I'm going to use a brother or sister in Christ to share God's word with him. Or I'm going to bring a gift of healing to restore someone who's sick. Or I'm going to anoint a sermon. And so when the word of God is preached, it's not just a speech and it's not just stories and it's not just humor that goes around a, a scripture. Like there's an anointing, there's a power, there's a substance, there's a point of change, there's a point of movement. And this is when heaven breaks into earth. This is when the kingdom comes and we get a taste of what will be. It's like the samples at the restaurant. It's like we get a partial taste and, and the taste is, is substantive. It's, the, it's what is to come. It's what there is more of. It's, it's what we can look forward to. But we're getting a sample now. And the sample now is giving us direction for our lives now. Because we're, we're focused in advance of what can come. Because the kingdom is near. And this is what we do as people of power. We start telling the world the kingdom is near. Jesus is coming soon. He's coming soon. And it's not just this apocalyptic prediction in the future. It is like him coming to your life right now. Him getting involved in your relationships. Him getting involved in your career choice. Him getting involved in your friendships. Him being the breakthrough in your business you need. Him being the one that gives meaning to your life. The kingdom of God is near. Watch God's power begin to break in to that which is ordinary, that which is common, that which is regular. And the kingdom comes and brings power and definition to specific points that we need. This is what God does. Jesus came the first time and he was rejected. 
his kingdom was rejected and people said, oh, not spectacular enough. Jesus is not famous enough. Jesus is not well-known enough. Jesus hasn't done enough miracles. Jesus hasn't done it from the right places. He hasn't been in the temple. He's been in the wilderness. Jesus isn't spectacular. He had no earthly beauty that we look forward for. We look for charisma. We look for uh, earthly power. And Jesus, he, he actually resisted those things so he could bring something different. But he came and he was rejected the first time. But the next time Jesus comes, and he comes in a visible way, and he comes in a physical way. The scripture says every eye will see and everyone will behold his glory when he comes in a way that we can notice, in a way that we can see. And he sets up his kingdom, a kingdom where there is no more injustice. There is no more wickedness. There is no more child abuse. There is no more economic injustice. There is no more war. There is no more fighting. There is no more need for the state penitentiary or penitentiary or the prison. You know what I meant? Um, they, they, they got too fancy on you. There, there's no need for, for the manifestations of darkness and sin because Jesus is in charge and Jesus is ruling and Jesus is reigning. And as ones who are sent by Jesus into mission, we go with power because we say the kingdom's coming now. It's near you. It's near us. We can feel it. We can taste it. We have a foretaste. We have a first fruit. And because of that, we step into God's future with confidence in what he has. This is the kingdom of God for us. So, Lord, we thank you for bringing your kingdom to us today. We thank you, Lord. We're fragile people. We're sinful people, God. God, we're people who make the same mistakes over again. And even when we're in services like this, where we sense your righteousness and your holiness, God, though our hearts drift and turn away, and then you call us back home. Thank you for Pastor Aubrey's uh, call to us about the God who chases us down, the God who goes for us, the God who grabs us and turns us around, the God whose heart is for us. And so we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for the manifestation of your kingdom in us. Lord, and amongst us and for us, and we praise your name for that.